What's up, everyone? It's the Episode Ninja Podcast, where the guys and I do a deep dive into our favorite TV shows. We chat about legendary episodes, iconic characters, and hilariously classic quotes. It's like the late-night combo you have with your friends after too much beer and not enough tacos. So grab a cold one and get ready. It's the Episode Ninja Podcast. All right, today we are talking about the Netflix hit miniseries, The Queen's Gambit. And I think the best way to start this episode off would to be go around the room and just say whether or not we have played chess or understand what chess even is. Uh, let's start with Steve. Uh, I know how to play chess. I That's about as far as it goes. I know the rules. <laughs> Do you think Steve <laughs> didn't know how to play chess? That's a dumb I didn't know. I did not. Of course he knows how to play chess. I was just asking. Chess. I'm going Absolutely around. Not. He probably plays 3D I'm chess. I'm going around the room. No, I know the rules. Like, I know how to play. I played a small amount when I was a child, I guess. But, I mean, it's really not very complicated. Like, the there's only, like, eight rules. It's, well, ex- okay. it's extremely complicated. Easy, easy to learn, hard to Yeah, that, that's the, an the understatement, Steve. I don't even know when to hit the clock. Chris, did you play yeah, I know how to play. Do I play well? No, not at all. Not at all. I believe Chris has a special guest with him. Would you like to? We do have a special guest. And um, not true. only, we kind of have two special guests, actually, because <laughs> Justin, wow. who's typically, wow. well, no, because Justin, Justin, who typically, he's part of the show, but typically he's not on the mic. You know, he's beside, behind the scenes guy, right? And he, because he doesn't, you know, he's got better things to do than watch TV and ride his brain like we do. But now he's watched his show because it's so good, and now he's he's participating. He'll talk about his chess stuff in a minute. But uh, our our first guest is uh, my better half, Sarah, uh, who loves the show so much. So we thought we'd bring her on. And you know, it's a very um, you know female forward, empowering women show, and it'd be good to get like a perspective from you know a woman. So Sarah, say hi. Hi. Okay. Have you played chess? Do you know how to play chess? I'm more of a checkers girl. So you don't even know how to play chess. Like you don't even know the rules of the chess. Like you don't know where a I, knight I think goes. I know the pieces. I don't know the strategy. Okay. So if like and I know the they difference have to get between check or checkmate. Well, checkmate means no, it's over. Everyone okay. knows that. Yeah. I don't know what check means, but. And I ch- think check is the uh, warning. You just hit the button. I guess. And you move on. So I'm guessing, Dan, that means you do not know how to play chess. <laughs> I don't, I don't know jack shit about chess. I'll be honest. I think it's a fascinating game. My friend Dre, shout out him if he was watching this, is convinced us that he knows how to play. I don't buy it. He doesn't seem like the chess type. Um, so, no, I, I have not played chess. It seems way too complicated, and I don't even know where to start and how to learn it. The problem with chess is you can learn it, right? Like, okay, this these are the pieces. These are the moves and then you can even understand like all right what is the uh like what's castling right i'm gonna go castle these pieces but then you play against someone who knows what they're doing and they just make you look so stupid like and i'm not even talking about like fucking bath on the show i'm just talking about like an experienced chess player like they will make you look so fucking stupid like and that's what that's why i think it's discouraging um like taking up chess because like it's really really hard to master and what's crazy is like the chess sales in the last like six months increased by like a bajillion percent and everyone's going on amazon like 
downloading or, you know, buying chess sets and they're downloading chess apps on their phone and thinking like, it's so cool, you know, but like, it's fucking hard. Like I got to give props to anyone that's really good at chess. Yeah. I want the pill that makes me really good. Or I can just watch everything happen at nighttime and then just do it the next day. I think that'd be pretty cool. You mean a tranquilizer? That didn't seem like a tranquilizer to me. That's what they called it. Did, did we ask? Uh, did we ask Justin? Justin, or do you? Or do you zero come in chess on chess experience? Don't know how to play. But okay, so I'm in the same boat. So you still found this show to be intriguing, even Definitely. though you didn't know anything about yeah. chess. Yeah, I'm the same exact way. I don't know why I liked it so much. I really don't because I just don't know anything. I, I want to mention, but there's literally a scene in the show where they explain the rules, like just from her watching the game. Like she's like, oh, this one can move diagonal. This one can move up to and to the right. Like that's literally the whole game. Yeah, but that doesn't. But that doesn't like explain what happens. What when they do move up and to the right, and there's a a piece there. Like you just take it and then you hit the little time slot yes. and you get. You know how to play chess. Like, no, I don't. I don't. Do you know how to play checkers? I I, I could. I'm pretty good at checkers. You give me any Cracker Barrel with the big checker set. <laughs> I'll take you down. You'll have to king me a couple times. Um, well, you know how you see moves after moves? Uh, yes, exactly. I, <sighs> I'm like the rain it's man. Not the, it's not the same, no, though. It's, it's, of course it's not the same. I mean, they don't, like, there's no, there's not, like, a hundred books written on different che- checker moves. You know what I, I mean? I don't know about that. I mean, I there's a lot of books on Amazon. Um, so, before we get into the details of the show... What actually got you guys into the show? What got you guys to watch the show? Uh, Netflix pushing us with their top 10. Like, honestly, like... Yeah, it was in their lot. Like, it, it's actually a smart move on their behalf. Like, they, you, you, you pull up the the Netflix, you know, home screen dashboard or whatever, and they're like, hey, what's up? This is number this is number two in the U.S. right now. And you're just like... Mm, Must be good. Everyone else is watching it. Let me go check it out. And then you just, I mean, I think the first, um, you know, episode got me hooked, you know, and uh, uh, we were just kind of in it from from there. I mean, I think that, um, you know, Anya uh, does a, a really good job. She's a good actress, plays a part perfectly. Yeah, I got hooked right away. Steve? Uh, yeah, same. I mean, the hype for this show was pretty crazy. It was probably one of the most hyped shows of the year. I would say maybe Tiger King uh, comes to mind. I was going to say the same exact thing. This seemed like it picked up steam pretty quickly and everybody was talking about how good it was. So yeah, Justin, who kind of looks like Tiger King right now with his hair. What, uh, what got you into just the hype that everyone else was watching it. So my girlfriend heard about it, uh, suggested we watch it, watch the first episode with her. And then, was just kind of hooked you know it's uh especially the the first episode kind of being like um i don't know very dramatic right of like her visualizing stuff on the ceilings and having this like traumatic past it was like when with the flashbacks of you know the first episode starts with like the flashback to her playing in paris i think and so it's like okay you can tell she's gonna end up being the superstar player she's has this crazy upbringing and just that being like all right yeah, she's like fucked. She's like fucked up when she gets there, right? To play that guy. She's super hungover, and then takes yeah. a few shots. Yeah, takes one of the pills. A few pills. 
Yeah, so that's uh, that's good lead into the first episode. Um, pretty jam packed one where we see the the backstory of this young girl. Um, my question is is how true is this story? Do you guys know how do you, how true do you think this story is? Like, were there actually it's fiction? It's fiction. It's based off of a book. Okay, so like, okay, that that side of it is fiction, but like, were there really like girls homes like that back in the day like oh that part uh that i don't know giving orphans tranquilizers was apparently a thing back in the day to make them easier to handle apparently so that's sort of based in reality that's wild did they all have the comically large jars full of of drugs too i i hope so that are just out of reach until they aren't. Is it the first episode where she gets through and gets all the pills? No, I think that's like the third episode. Okay. So they kind of mesh together for me. So I'm not going to be the best at summarizing episodes specifically. Um, cause no, she gets caught stealing the pills in the first episode. Does she? According to the description on Wikipedia. Oh, then that must be true. Because So that's where I get a little thrown off of the show. She's like this super mega genius. She gets into this room she where all the drugs are, and instead of just, like, pocketing everything so she can take them over time, she just starts gobbling handfuls of these things. I don't, I don't really understand the uh, idea behind that. Well, I think that they're trying to portray her as an addict, and an addict isn't going to do, um, you know, make the wisest decisions in, in that moment when they're craving. I mean, how many tranquilizers was this chick taking, right? Like, she was an addict, whether or not she's eight or Well, and she had her buddy 18. telling her when to take them. So, like, save those for night. You're going to want those yeah. at nighttime. Yeah, so she was definitely, like, you know, and then she didn't get them, and she was getting all, um, you know, pissy with uh, her friend at the orphanage, like, oh, God, hook me up, hook me up, you know? And so, like... I feel like she was like, oh, shit, it's probably like, you know, if you're an alcoholic and you haven't had a drink in like a week and then all of a sudden you're in a liquor store by yourself, you're probably just going to go like open up a handle and just start chugging it, you know, like instead of like sipping it. Right. Right. And we also she was intending to just steal some for later. But then once she had the thing in front of her, she was was overcome, you know, because I think at first she was filling her pockets and then she just started like. You know, which like, can you even swallow a mouthful of pills like that? I have no idea, but like, pretty crazy. I mean, if I came across a jar full of weed like that, I would just stuff my pockets. I don't think I'd be stuffing oh. it down my throat. Yeah, I mean, but... she was a drug addict and a small child, so I'm like everybody said, I'm sure she was not thinking. She's like a genius. Yeah, but you have to think about like she's a genius at like math, right? But she might not be a genius at everything and else. And her mom tried to kill her. So, so speaking that of sucks. that. Did you guys pick up on her mom trying to kill her in the beginning? or Because I didn't really realize that was what happened until the flashback oh, at the sure. end where it showed them like kind of speeding down the bridge or whatever. No, I, it, it was, to me, yeah, I, I get what you're saying because the flashback does happen later, but it seemed like a situation where she knew what she was doing. Yeah, I thought it just seemed like that. They made it seem like a car crash or something just happened. I got the feeling that she was trying to kill herself and she was going to take her daughter with her and didn't care. Right. Yeah, they were both going together. But then in the flashback, 
I felt more like she was trying to get rid of her. Yes, I agree. Herself. Because when she went to like the that guy's house and and then when she was driving away and she was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with you and stuff. It was very like, mm, shit, man, that's some dark shit. So who was who was the guy? Did I miss that or did they not explain it? I think that was her father. Okay, that's what I think. And do we know do we know what year this is? The sixties. Yeah, I think the very the final chess tournament in Moscow was sixty nine. So Summer Love. Yeah, it's late sixties. Back when chess was really sixty six is when she goes to the Las Vegas Open, so Okay. Um, so one big thing, obviously, that happens in the first episodes, we're introduced to the, the custodian, uh, Mr. Scheibel, I want to say, pronunciation, mm-hmm. not, not yep. great at that, but um, she, you know, she gets in trouble and she has to go clean the racers, um, where Beth meets the uh, the custodian who is studying chess, and at first he really refuses to even let her participate at all, because women don't belong in chess, um, he's a very old school guy, but eventually he breaks down and sort of becomes her mentor. Um, what did you guys think of him? Well, I just want to ask you guys a question. And I, I don't know if this was just me, but like when you guys were a kid, like, did you ever like find like some old person and just get like obsessed with them, like uh, a neighbor or like a grandparent or something like that? Like, oh man, like they're just doing cool shit. Like, definitely someone being like nice to you and then you're like, want to hang out with them. Like, they think. Like, they're just, I don't know, like, like they're just, like, fascinating. Like, I, I'm just saying, like, if you're, like, a little kid, right, like, at six, seven, eight-year-old, and there's, like, an 80-year-old fucking grandpa or whoever, and you're just like, oh, what are they doing? So, like, I had a neighbor down the street that would, like, always garden, and I'd be, like, five years old and be like, oh, fuck, what are you doing? You're gardening? That's cool. And that kind of reminded me of that. Like, she's like, what's this old guy doing? Oh, he's playing a game? That's yeah, cool. totally. I feel like that's a thing. Okay, I guess I'm the I guess I'm the only person that like interacted with like an old person when I was a kid. I feel like half of us are like this is totally normal, and the other half is like, "What the hell <laughs> are, are you like a gardening? So, are you like a gardening savant now because of this or something? I don't. I'm a little. Confused. He does have a good green thumb. Yeah, I do. I do. I'm growing a lot of dill, and dill. his name is Frank, by the way. And Frank, he actually grew a lot of dill. <laughs> <laughs> come really? to think of it actually now it's coming full circle like i'm growing dill he showed me his dill when i was little but so yeah <laughs> well so i got a really creepy vibe from him in the beginning i didn't like the vibe that he gave uh when we get to the second episode or third episode where she gets adopted i did not get a good vibe from the father in that situation either i thought something bad was gonna go down but it turns out the custodian was a stand-up guy uh, he eventually lets her play chess with him. Gets to the point where you know she's doing hallucinations. She's hallucinating at night and how to beat him, and then comes in and actually beats him. And then he actually introduces her to a local high school um, where she essentially plays. You know, I don't know what they call it, speed chess, um, where she goes around and basically plays the entire chess club and beat the shit out of all of them. Simultaneous, I think, is the word they use. Okay. But then at the end of the episode, we see that the state outlaws the tranquilizers. Uh, Beth gets withdraws, steals the medication, passes out. Uh, episode ends. But again, I think a very, I, I can't remember who mentioned it earlier, but a very good hook into the 
to the miniseries as it was. It was a very good start to the show and made me want to keep watching more. It was a it was a solid first episode. And then for me, uh, like everything just kind of like ramped up. Right. Like it just got more and more intense as the series went on. And um, the second episode, uh, I believe, because I think she's in high school at that point. Yeah. In the second episode and she's getting bullied um, by all the popular girls. And I think that is the episode also where she goes into the um, Kentucky tournament. And this was a really cool episode for me because I love the interaction um, and this was this was part of the promo on Netflix, which got me wanting to watch the show, the interaction uh, of her checking in to the chess tournament. And she's like, I, I want to play like in the other group, the high group. I don't want to be in this like uh, unranked group. And she's, you know, they're like, well, you're not fucking you've never played before. Get out of here, little girl. And she's like, I don't give a shit. Here's my money. Like, put me in the ranked group. And she wound up dominating everyone. Right. Like. Well, to before that though, she asked Mister Scheibel for money to enter. She did. Yeah. She writes him, and something that really bugs me about that is she, she mentions pays that him back. when he dies. Mm. Yeah. She's but like, I feel, I feel bad. I owe yeah, ten dollars. So bucks. hard to pay back a dead person. I mean, you could leave cash on the gravestone, I guess. But he didn't but die like kind of he didn't die like a minute after the tournament. She could have sent an envelope to the guy. <sighs> she was busy and drinking. she should have and fuck because you know as we saw when she went back there and then saw that he was watch he was paying attention so he i'm sure knew that she won the tournament and you know what i mean and then whatever so that was definitely a sad sort of moment i also like that um the people that she dominated in this Kentucky tournament wound up being there for her kind of like later on right like the twins and the um uh what the good looking no not benny benny was uh she met in vegas um but the dude that she beat in the in the tournament she wound up that was the guy that lived with her right harry harry right so she beat harry wound up being good friends and living and banging and um we're also we're also kind of glossing over the adoption thing in general. I mean, at the beginning of the episode, she gets adopt, adopted by this family who clearly they lost the child in some horrific fashion. The dad is a huge prick. The mom's a weirdo who's an alcoholic and takes the same pill that she, the tranquilizer pill that she took, so now she can steal it from her so she can start to play chess again. So that's what really gets her back into the Kentucky thing. Then the husband deserts them. She's worried she's gonna go back to the to the orphanage and um they decide they're gonna lie and you know say that the husband's still around so, because now the mom sees dollar signs essentially I think she saw this as a way out oh yeah, yeah for I sure mean, she did but also so I think that it, originally I thought the mom was gonna be just like a straight up bitch being like go to this tournament, win this money, I'll take the money. But she was like, oh, great, you won, and I'll just take, like, 10% or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, she wasn't like, let me take all your money. So I I think it, you know... So that's actually the beginning of the third episode. Alma asks for 10%, and Beth get, actually gives her 15 Right. Because she trusts her. They actually have a very good relationship. Because I agree, I got a weird vibe from her in the beginning, too. 
And I thought she was just going to be in it for the money too. I get that same, you know, she was lonely. eyes on the prize thing. But she, she turned out to child. Yeah. Yeah. When she, it seems like yeah, it gave her purpose as much as it did Beth, you know, to have something to do and travel. Absolutely. But then she just fucking like up and dies. Like that sucked. Well, she was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Yeah, but like, I know plenty of those people, and they're still alive. And, and she probably smoked because everyone. Because wouldn't she die then. of like hepatitis? Right, that was the thing they said in the show. Which I I don't know about hepatitis. That know that it, that's what it is. Like you get sick and die in that fashion. Oh, it's because she she fucked that Mexican guy. <laughs> I mean, was that it? Who knows? I, I mean, hepatitis is sexually transmitted. Well, it, I mean, it's how's it transmitted through bi- bodily fluid, right? Yeah, needles or sex, I believe. Yeah, I mean, if you have hepatitis and you fuck someone raw dog them, you definitely can give them hepatitis. I guarantee. Yeah, so let's, let's get back on and start talking about chess. Um, the third episode is the Vegas episode. So that's when her and Towns get back together. Um, takes pictures of her. They have an intimate moment that's interrupted by Town's roommate, who also she suspects is his boyfriend. How how old do you think Town's is supposed to be on the show? Yeah, there's a lot of weird, like, older guy relationships where, like, she meets someone and then meets them again later, and it's like, ooh, you really grew up. It's like, whoa, that's, uh... You know, because she's probably... Because she's still in high school at this point, right? For the for the Vegas tournament, or is she already graduated? I don't know the exact timeline, but anyways, like maybe if she did, she's like eighteen. That dude looked like he was like thirty three. If this was a dude in the same place, you wouldn't even be talking about it. What do you mean if it was a dude in the same place? If it was a young dude and an older woman. If there was an eighteen year old dude and like some chick in her thirties, I'd be like, that's weird. I mean, it's weird either way. It is. Yeah, I mean, I kind of saw it as like. Definitely weird, but probably realistic of like, you know, because I I thought the whole series was kind of a coming of age tale, along with being a tale of this child prodigy and this tale of addiction or whatever, to kind of see her like, you know, grow into, uh, I don't know, I I guess her like feeling more confident or becoming more like, um, I don't know, I don't want to say feminine, but like in the beginning when people would ask, uh, like, how do you feel about being the only woman chess player? She would be like, what? Like, why does it matter? Like she was kind of like defensive and like confused. And then I felt like more toward the end of the series, she was more like owning the fact that she was like this like woman in the chess world and that she was like, you know, wearing outfits and like feeling good and stuff like that. So yeah, I do think it was kind of weird to be like the age difference of these people she was playing, but that that was maybe a realistic part of like just being a young woman growing up in general. Like, I don't know, uh, but I kind of saw it in that that regard. Yeah, I, when you said, you know, coming of age story, completely agree. I mean, honestly, I think this is more of a coming of age story than it is a story about chess because all of the conflict that she's going through in the show is around her becoming a woman, right? Like, you know, there was the, I think during the tournament where she like gets her period for the first time and she doesn't have anyone around to help her. 
um, you know, kind of experimenting with drugs, alcohol, losing her virginity, kind of figuring out what is sex first, what is what is love, what are friendships, who 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 can I rely on? Because at one point, I mean, she's an orphan who was abandoned because her mother basically tried to kill her, and then um, she's abandoned again because her adopted mom dies, you know, and then you know she has to kind of like rely on her friends. And so all of these, you know, struggles that she kind of goes through and eventually overcomes, um, that's the story, right? Like the chess part is just a, a side story to me because the whole time she's basically dominating everyone in chess. There's maybe like two two games where she like had issues, right? Like um, other than that, she basically just fucking rolled everyone in the whole fucking world. Well, that's at the end of the season, or episode three, is where she loses in Vegas. And that's, like, her first, first professional loss, because she kind of spirals. That was, to, that was to Benny, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. And they finished as co-champions. And so then season or episode four starts. Um, we see, again, personal growth. She's taking night classes in Russian, trying to learn Russian. And then, as Chris already mentioned, she goes to a party. She gets smoked some weed. Loses her virginity, um, and then she just sort of indulges in more alcohol and drugs. At this point, she does graduate high school, so I guess that would put her at 18, but she also missed a bunch of school, so she might have been a little bit older. Um, but that's when she goes to Mexico with Alma. And then we learn about the Alma and Miguel relationship. Torrid love affair that it was. I was I was happy though. She had a pen pal. They found. Oh, I said other. Miguel. I'm sorry. It's Manuel. Apologies. Apologies to everybody. Mm. Mm. At least she died happy. Yeah, and I kind of changed how I felt about that once uh, her adopted father kind of showed his colors of being a dick. Like when the house uh, ownership came up later, that he like couldn't look her in the face and like just like needed the money and stuff like that. Then I kind of felt like, cause before I was like, Oh wow. Like this, the person's like cheating on her husband. Like, huh? But then once it was like, Oh, he's a fucking prick. I was like, okay, well, all right. All right. You know? And so for what it's worth, I thought that that, you know, that did. So as a, a couple, the few of us that aren't really familiar with chess, I guess it applies to all, but did you find like the chess scenes intense? When it was just like her, so like they do, uh, when she's in Mexico, she plays against a Soviet prodigy, um, 13 year old, and she, it's two days, the game lasts two days, she defeats him, but they shoot it very dramatic. Did you feel like you understood what was going on? Was it like, for me, it was edge of your seat type watching. Yeah, so uh, it was very good, uh, the, the chess scenes, the way they um, shot those. But also, I was doing a little bit of research on some facts about the show. And all of the chess moves that they did, that the actors did, were legit chess moves. Like, they played real games. And even if the cameras weren't on the board and they were on, like, the, factor, the actor's eyes or something, they were still doing the correct moves. Um so I think that was part of it, like that they, they were very, um, you know, specific and right down to that detail. They had like, you know, some grandmaster chess dude as a consultant and they got a lot of comments from, 
you know, professional chess players that this was very accurate portrayal of the chess world. So, you know, I think that that extra step, like, you know, really paid off. I really like the colors that they used. They said a mood that was really um, warm, but like intense. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That's, it was, again, I'm watching, I have no idea what I'm seeing, but I'm intrigued by everything that's happening. Um, so again, she, she goes ahead and she beats this guy. Uh, it's a big deal. And then while she's in the elevator on the way back, she's listening to these Russian men talk about essentially her weaknesses. Um, so she learns, you know, without her, without their knowledge, she's sort of just listening in on the conversation. So again, that just shows her growth to where, yes, it's, it's, it shows certainly about her personal growth, but it also shows her growth as a as a chess player. She focused, and that was that became her life was chess, and um, it made for made for a really interesting show. Yeah, I appreciate that she's since you mentioned her like devoting her life. Like, I appreciate that it's not just like she's magically amazing at chess and destroys everyone. Like she spends a lot of time studying and preparing and stuff like that. So it's like she's a prodigy and worked her ass off to be good at it. So I'm glad that they portrayed that balance. Yeah. On that note, I thought it was interesting to see her kind of progress to eventually when she was hanging out with like Benny and his friends and they were uh, playing out those like scenarios or whatever they called them, where at that point, like she wasn't taking drugs. She was like, just playing chess and like was starting to become good on her own without the the drugs and and like whatever be like a master in her own right uh it was kind of cool cool plot point to see i thought um and towards the end of this episode we see her play borgov who she was listening to in the elevator um she loses to him after he surprises her with like a really offbeat opening which again i don't understand what that even is um, when she gets back to the hotel room, Beth discovers it almost dead. Um, they say it's hypothetic or it's hepatitis likely worsened by excessive drinking. Um, she, Beth gets her, um, mother's husband on the phone in Denver. Um, but aside of telling her where the almost family plot is, he's basically just like, fuck off. Like I want nothing to do with you. Uh, let's, you know, let's Beth keep the house. Um, and then the episode ends with her flying almost coffin home and, and essentially burying it. So, um, I thought you said happy Titus. I, I'm sorry. That was that that's actually should have been its name. Happy Titus. Yeah, it wouldn't be too then bad. I would have been like, Hey, I got happy Titus. Yeah. You're good, man. You're good. So this is kind of, uh, this is kind of the moment where she, she's in, in sort of a lull here. Right. So she loses to, um, Borgov. She loses to Borgoff the Russian and comes back. She's all alone and she's just boozing in Kentucky, right? Like all all day long, and uh, has the house to herself, um, living off her her chess money. And um, then this is is this the episode where Harry comes in? Yeah, yeah. Harry comes back. They're training together. They bang a couple times. Um, Her- I thought they only banged once. It says a couple times. Um, Beltig- it it says they banged a couple times and went. The to two spend time training and sleep together a few times until Beltic realizes Beth's obsession with chess will always sus- 
supersede the relationship they may have, the two-part ways. See, this is the part I don't believe, right? Like, this this dude lost his who's being in this chick who's, like, a hundred times out of his league, right? Way out of his league. Way, way, way out of his league. And he doesn't want to bang her anymore because while he's banging her, she's thinking about chess. Bull fucking shit. And why doesn't he just think about chess? Well, maybe that he, just he made him realize too. that, you know, like, chess can't be a career for me because it's not really a career for her and she's way better than me. And so... What do I have going on? Apparently nothing besides, you know, helping her win. But like, I'm never going to do better than her. And she's not even doing that well. So I got I got to get a real job. I'm like, time's up. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I th- obviously for the story, it makes sense, right? I'm just saying like. He probably would have given it a few months. months that dude's going to stick around. A year, right? Maybe. I mean, not just oh, I'm going to bang you a few times. No, he's going to stick around for a little bit. I'm just saying. Uh, what's the what's the point that gets her um, back in it, right? Uh, she meets oh hooking off with Benny right at the college. No, is that is that no? Nah, she meets her former high school tormentor Margaret. Uh, Margaret's married. Was soon after high school. She has a baby daughter, and she's becoming an alcoholic. Beth then travels to the nineteen sixty seven U.S. Championship in Ohio. Where she reunites with Benny. So, yes, you are correct. And that's where they were kind of hanging out, uh, doing speed chest. And then she goes back with him to New York, right? And they, like, kind of hang out with his friends. And then she meets that chick. Um, and then I think they... Well, well, b- well before that, um, Beth defeats Benny to become the U.S. champion. The two discuss Beth's future. And then... Uh, Benny realizes that she needs a role model on a trainer, and then they're going to New York City together. So I think the next episode is when they're. Yeah, in New I thought York that City with all the that. time that she was spending with Benny in New York was like an interesting point, like that he clearly like didn't drink or wasn't trying to party, and he like his friends also played chess, and he seemed to like have his sort of life devoted to playing and and getting better at chess. And, like, was living on, like, fairly, you know, meager means, it seemed, from his apartment and whatnot, uh, relative to her. And, you know, and that she was better than him and his friends. And he was encouraging her, like, not to drink and whatever. And during that time, I was kind of wondering, like, you know, how is this going to progress? Like, are they going to be romantically involved? Or, you know, what is going to happen here? Uh, And so I thought that was kind of an interesting point that, like, he was the sort of... uh, positive influence in her life which like i didn't expect him to be that because he had this sort of appearance of like that hat and wearing a knife on his belt and like whatever that like he was the guy that was like you're blowing it by drinking and stuff like that so i thought that was kind of a cool cool subplot there yeah i appreciate i appreciate that everyone that she encounters is very supportive of both her and each other because i feel like i mean i'm not into chess but i would imagine that's how it is like when you meet a bunch of nerds that are super passionate about something, like they're all pretty cool to each other. Like, I feel like it would have been super easy for this show to go down the route of like having a scene where some man loses to her and is like, I refuse to lose to a woman. But like, they never went down that path at all. And it, it was all very. You, you expect that, right? You expect, especially in the 60s, right? Where, you know, essentially, like, I mean, look what her, the 
almost husband did. Like he's like, deuces, I'm just going to leave. No one's going to do anything about it. I'm just going to leave and fuck you guys. Um, but like, it was a man's game at this time. And like, and the thing is like this, like really in the sixties, women weren't allowed to play chess in tournaments. It wasn't until the eighties that they could do it, but obviously this is fictional. Um, but like, I just love the fact that like, even these people, like those dudes, right. It's the same dudes at, at, at that first tournament. Those are the ones that become her front. Like they like follow her throughout. Right. So like they were assholes in the beginning, but then wound up like being her friend and helping her like win the world championship. Like they weren't, they could have been assholes and been like, you know, like fuck this bitch. Like, you know, she, who, who she thinks she's coming in here. And I think that it's because like you said, Steve, like that nerd culture, like, you know, we're all nerds here, except for Dan, cause Dan's a cool guy guys. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that you guys, you, you get obsessed with something and, um, you know, you embrace other people that have that like nerd obsession. If this was like, I don't know, like, well, they re- well they recognize her genius and realize that she's better, so they lift her up because they know they know that she's the best. So, I mean, I I I totally understand that. I mean, it's really it's it's not a competition when someone is so much better than you. At that point, it's like, why would you say fuck this person when? You can help make them even better because a lot because a lot a lot of dudes are assholes. yeah but it's just not in this that's game why. not in I feel like in chess is a very it's like golf well that's what that's what we're saying like because chess is typically the people that play it are a different mindset than like you know fucking football or baseball or something like that you know what I mean like I I feel like if you had a movie where there was some chick that like was the best fucking baseball hitter right and just dominated these dudes like I'm not saying every single dude but you'd have a lot of dudes that would be like fuck you you know what I mean like 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 when Tom Brady wins for his entire career and then loses a game and walks off the field without shaking anybody's hands which literally happened like two months ago that's how a lot of competitive people are. Well, there's also competitive people that like to sabotage things, which is part of this episode, um, where they're at the tournament and Beth, uh, Beth goes to the Paris Invitational. Uh, she works her way up to the final game again against Borgov, but then she finds out that this Cleo lady is also in Paris when invites Beth out for drinks, which then causes her a relapse. My question. But she wasn't trying to sabotage her. She was just trying to. Mm. She was just DTF and was like, "Let's drink." And I'm pretty sure friends, she was sent so there let's... by the Russians was to sabotage. That was my interpretation of it. You know, I don't know. I was wondering that myself, and I was kind of. I, I found it interesting that, like Beth, was like originally when she called, was like, "No, I'm studying, like whatever," uh, but that. It's like that person was apparently like cool enough and her opinion, best opinion of her from meeting her previously in New York was that like, oh, she is cool and she's whatever. So that like, even though at first she was able to turn down the invitation that she ultimately, you know, went down and like hung out with her and then like wasn't able to control herself or whatever. But it's like, you know, a man wouldn't have been able to get to her like, in that way, right? Like, but it was just like this kind of unique individual that was appealing to Beth and made her be like, yeah, I do want to hang out with her. Like, if she's here, I'm going to take this opportunity. 
And that woman was cool. They definitely hooked up, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, that was like the ending scene is like they were, you know, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. But I, I, I thought from the beginning that she was sent there by the Russians, or but was there at least? Any, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that's not correct, but I just missed clues if that's what the they were implying. Yeah, I didn't pick up on any of that. Yeah, I would agree. I think it was purely. Uh, I forgot that character's name, but like, I think it was purely her, just like Cleo wanting to, you know, interact with Beth and finding Beth interesting because, like, you know, Beth or Cleo was kind of in the chess circle because she was friends with Benny and those people. And then Beth like cleaned up and was able to beat all of them. So then like, but just, and then this lady just happened to be in Paris at the time. Like she wasn't part of the chess scene. She wasn't part of anything. She was, she lived in New York. What's she doing in Paris? But didn't she live in Paris? Well, she was Parisian. Yeah. She was lived in Paris. Seems suspicious. Dan doesn't trust (laughs) anyone with an accent. You've watched too many datelines. I do watch a lot of datelines. Um, so long story short, Beth loses, uh, she then spirals, basically tells Benny to fuck off. Um, all this is where we see Alston, the husband go back on his word. Um, Beth pays an excessive price for the house, plunges into a days long drug and alcohol binge, passes out, hits her head. Um, bet Harry, Harry, is that the guy? Beltic? Um, he comes and confronts her, says she needs treatment. She basically tells him to fuck off. And then she opens the door the next day, and there's Jolene. Her old friend from the orphanage. Who is a great character. Yeah. There's a lot a lot in there. I mean, I thought the scene of her negotiating the house price with uh, her adopted father was just brilliant. The way that like he was just like a squirming mess of a man. And then when he was like, Oh, it's worth seven thousand. She was like, "Fine, I'll pay that." And he like couldn't even handle it that she had seven thousand dollars. And then he didn't seven thousand know? dollars for a house. That was a nice house too. No. that's like mm-hmm. that's like what I pay in taxes every. I thought the the scene afterward of her sort of making the house her own, like tearing down the curtains and like doing what she was doing, I was like, "All right, cool." And then it sort of evolved into like the bender, which you know. Just just that, really. I mean, like, what, what's there to say about it? But, um, yeah, I thought that was uh, kind of crazy, like, to that she had that money laying around, which it must have been a lot of money. I mean. Oh, wow. Today I learned there's only seven episodes in this. I thought there were ten. <laughs> so we are now on the seventh episode, which is the finale. Um, it starts with uh, Jolene informing Beth that... Uh, the the custodian has died. Um, again, she didn't pay him back, which I just think is a travesty. Um, but they go to this funeral. They get, they both visit the orphanage. Um, the one cool part of that episode I thought was that uh, Mister Sable had kept newspaper clippings and everything of his of her career. Um, however, I also think that that was him tracking how much money she had made through her career and that was him sort of doing the math being like okay that's ten dollars plus interest um but uh i I digress 
Do you think that's how he died? Like someone told told him that she bought a house for seven thousand dollars, and he was like seven thousand dollars. What the fuck? dude? And then just kind of yeah. grabbed his chest. If you and can died. buy a house for seven thousand dollars, you've got ten dollars laying around. You got ten dollars. You got to pay him back. You got ten dollars right? laying around. That's definitely how he died. I mean, didn't have happy, happy Titus. So I love how you take a very intimate. <laughs> sad scene and turn it into that well we're trying to live up the moment uh because we don't want to just be like oh this guy died i mean death is sad but that was like her dad it the it only was dad she ever had right it was a father figure right the only father figure you have you have a great point but to dan's point she did didn't pay him back this is why i've never seen you cry ever do you even have that bone in your body? A what? The feeling. Did you say the crying bone? Is that yeah. next to the funny bone? I don't know. Well, the funny bone is a thing. Yeah, I thought that scene where she found the newspaper clippings in the basement of the orphanage was just like heartbreaking. Like, oof, the fact that he had been watching her and was obviously proud of her, you know, that brought some meaning to him. It was just heartbreaking. I mean, like I started to cry. I was like, fuck man, like this is, that's something like. Yeah. And she never, she never went back to go see him. Yeah. You know, cause she just, she, she was, cause she knew she owed him consumed. money. She was consumed by <laughs> her life of trying to manage her own stuff. How do you go visit someone you owe money to? I mean, she <laughs> didn't, that was not part of it. Do you I don't know think anything she, about this, Dan? Yeah. I've lost a lot of friends. Oh, a lot you owe money. Now you don't call them. Exactly. <laughs> You guys just wait. It's coming. Um, so back to what actually the other, other stuff that happened this episode. Um, she essentially is funded by this Christian fund who wants her to spread the good word in Russia. Um, she's like, fuck that. She ends up taking a loan from Jolene. Um, she goes to Russia and she plays in the Moscow Invitational. Um she apparently is very, very popular in Russia. They call her Lisa. Um, and she's sort of mobbed by everywhere she goes. She really can't go anywhere in public, which is very different than in America. Um, throughout the episode, and again, it's very intense. It's, you know, the table sitting in the middle of the room with a bunch of Russian dudes sitting there smoking and doing all shit on the sides, probably betting on games. Um, she's de- defeating people left and right, former world champion. Um, she then, in the final game, as the title shows, she plays the move called the Queen's Gambit. Um, well, before the, before the last, um, game, she beat the one Grandmaster that, like... Yeah, the world champion, Luchenko. Was that the guy with the hair? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, the moment where he was, like, like... I don't know if he. I don't know if he said like this was the best game I ever played or like you're the best person I've ever played. I don't know the exact quote, but like that was a good moment. I, I think it was like the best chess I've ever played or something like that. That was a good moment. Yeah, like, it was. And I just, I just like that the Russians have two sides to them. Like they're both like very like you know cold hearted, serious like fuck fuck this off and you know like blah 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 right. But then also. On the other side, like, there's that respect, you know? Like, she goes into the country, like you said. She's a star because chess is a big deal there, not like in America where it's not. And, um, you know, they respect her. They're like, hey, you beat me fair and square. Good game. 
Well, and that's the the another cool thing about this episode. You know, she just opens the 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 play with the queen's gambit. Um, they they end up getting adjourned after forty moves. Uh, Towns comes back. He's a reporter at the time. He visits her in her hotel room. They reconcile. Um, and the next day, she receives a phone call from Benny, who's assembled the entire team from New York, essentially to help her analyze the adjourned position of her game with Borgov. Um, she, you know, makes up with them. She takes their notes, and when play resumes that evening, she she beats him. Um, after after refusing to accept a draw, he presents a draw to her. She says no, and then she kicks his ass. Um, and you know, at the end of the episode, she's on her way to the airport. She gets a call saying the president uh, wants her to come to the White House. Um, she winds up exiting the car. And then just plays an old man in the park playing chess. They recognize her and they just keep playing chess. She just sort of keeps on living her life. I thought it was a really satisfying ending to the show. All downhill from there, right? Yeah, I kind of had I had two two thoughts on the ending. The first one is I was wondering if uh, there was going to be some sort of like flashback or something from her early life that was going to come to a head like at the end, right? Like I wondered like, is there going to be a twist or a turn here with like, her mother, her biological mother, and like what happened there or whatever. So I was kind of interested to see that didn't happen. That the ending was really just about her being beating Borgoff and and whatever, like becoming that the master there. And then the sort of second second part of that, um, I was kind of pleased to see, you know, when she was going back to her room and then she saw uh, the day before the win when she saw Berghoff and then the guy with the white hair, like all in the same room talking through the chess match of like that, that the Russians are all a team and they're all like working together to help, like they all win and beat her or whatever. So then like that notion, uh, whereas Benny said, you know, earlier in the show that Americans are individualists and whatever they play for themselves and try and win. Whereas the Russians are, are about like collectively, winning and then when benny and co were had been like analyzing the games back in new york and then called her with the information uh, that was a sort of heartwarming moment of like oh like look at this like she has this community as well that's helping her win helping her analyze this and like it is helpful and whatever and she took the information so uh, that was kind of a good moment of like okay cool like all the people she's met up to this point are rooting for her and helping her and you know, that was part of why she was able to beat him. I thought that was kind of nice. Absolutely. It's like she had her team and her family. She wasn't alone anymore. So do you guys think that there's, because there are talks that there might be a second season. Would you want a second season? Or is this one of those ones where it's, it's just good as one season? I think it's good as one season. I mean, it's based off of a book. So then at that point, you know, you've got writers because that because because, you know, they adapted this from the book. Right. So they already had that skeleton to go off of. Right. But they did that with with uh, Game of Thrones and they got ahead of it anyways. So. And we know what happened there. Right. When they strayed away from the book, they. <laughs> oh, speaking of Benny's from Game of Thrones. Sweet. Oh. I forgot you never seen it because you're too cool. No, I'm too stupid. I've said that. You've got it wrong. Got it. You still um, haven't watched Game of Thrones. No, I watched the first episode and it's just not for me. He's like, ah, oh, fucking dragons. It's just so many characters, so many dicks, 
so many things that I just don't enjoy. I don't he's like like he's like where is Viva La Bam? Like I've never seen Lord of the Rings because it's just not it's not my thing that time period. I'm just not a fan of. Okay. And you don't like Star Wars either, right? Well, uh, Star Wars is I mean, I watched the first 6, but at the, at a certain point it's just this is just a money grab. Let's be real. Oh, but there's so many new shows coming. Oh, out yeah, they're doing a Chewbacca movie. Dude, everyone's every every character that's ever been to Star Wars is getting a movie. I'm pumped for the Buzz Lightyear movie. I can tell you that much. Um, one thing one thing I liked about this show. Well, I don't know. I feel like that um, most of the people, like there was a lot of cool people, like playing this chess game, right? Where I feel like in the real chess world, there's a lot of like um players that have a lot of social issues um because i was actually watching a documentary bobby fisher doesn't no no but like so i was watching like a documentary about uh people that play rubik's cubes right and they can solve a rubik's cube in like six seconds and um i learned how like they have to memorize like hundreds of algorithms to figure out the fastest way to do it, right? It's not just like you just practice it. Like you literally need to like look at the colors, memorize algorithms or whatever. And one of the best players for this Rubik's Cube like in the world is this like autistic high schooler. And he can do this shit like amazingly, but like literally like couldn't like, talk to anyone right he had all these issues and i i feel like that's got to be common that there's autistic chess players that are amazing right at chess but like have all these like social issues you know and they just portrayed her like as you know obviously she had issues with drugs and alcohol and whatever but like i mean she wasn't you know they didn't portray her as like some nerdy girl with glasses who didn't want to comb her hair like they they definitely made her really feminine you know like she was wearing all these super expensive dresses she was using her money to go buy these like nice dresses and like doing her hair really nice like i just thought that like that was she didn't have any friends though she was a loner um so she did have social issues but but that's what i well i guess but like you didn't see that right it wasn't like they brought this drab you know girl on 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 screen that like wore like gray and black and just like slouched all the time didn't wear makeup you know what i mean like you know you definitely could have had one of those like like the Aubrey chicks Plaza. The 60s with like the big ass fucking glasses and you're like eh, okay yeah, you're clean picked- tonight you can be good looking and still antisocial. yeah i yeah of- i can attest to that I mean, not just antisocial as in you don't want to hang out with people, but like antisocial as in you have like social disorders. It's one she thing. Did. Well, it's one thing. No, it, it's one thing where you have the you're incapable of having a conversation with someone. And it's another thing where you don't want to have a conversation with someone. I don't want to have a conversation with a lot of people. Right. Like, I mean, you're confusing like. So you be- can be good looking and antisocial. But I'm not saying antisocial. I'm saying like you are autistic. She wasn't autistic. That's what I'm saying. Right? Like she wasn't like you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I disagree with you though. What is your what are you saying? What is your point? Did you just listen to me? 
Let's state your point again, because I don't think your point made any sense. I was saying that you're only judging the outside and you're missing all of the other things. She had no other friends besides Jolene and she would get afraid of things. She would go manic and have go on a bender. Uh, that says mental issues to me. I don't think so. I mean, I think she, I think she had, I think she had drug problems, right? But she was, yeah, she was, she was, she was meeting dudes at a party, banging dudes at a party. She was hanging out. Hey, what's up? Like, you know what I mean? She was like going on her own, learning Russian and shit, like just randomly playing Russians in the park and stuff. Like, (laughs) I mean, I think you're right. They, They weren't autistic chess players. That being said. She clearly had other types of mental issues, like any type of addiction is a mental issue. Well, if you classify those two together, yes. But if you don't, then I'm right. It depends on how you classify them. Why are you talking like that? I kind of... what? If you classify them together. Because I can do what I want. What were you going to say, Justin? (laughs) I kind of saw it as like, you know, she clearly was... I don't want to say like a savant, but like, you know, had these gifts and then was socially awkward as hell. Like, uh, and, you know, I, I don't maybe like developmentally, like didn't have all the same experiences being like an orphan and whatnot. But, you know, when she goes to the um, the party with other girls when she's in high school or something like that, and then like they start they're talking to her and they're all like looking at her and she's kind of acting weird. And then they're like, Oh, what about the boys? And she's, that's not even like on her radar. And then she ends up like stealing the bottle of booze and leaving. Like, so there's like that. And then later when she meets that same girl at the uh, department store, and then that, that person has like a child at that point, she like brings up like uh, the same thing that person said like 10 years ago, which is like incredibly awkward. And the girl like didn't even know what she was talking about. I was just like, Oh, okay. So like Beth is like, socially weird as hell like doesn't know how to interact with especially i don't know this other woman this person she knew before so like yeah i think there's something to be said about her like missing out on the normal childhood development of like social behavior like uh yeah and whatever that is i i who knows but like i mean she didn't really have much of a child well i mean her mom tried to kill her so of course she's gonna be a little fucked up but i don't think she's autistic i think she is i think as justin said i think she's i I didn't say she was autistic well everything's a spectrum right no one said she was autistic we all agree that she's not autistic i just made the point that like there are artistic people we're saying that word a lot and i'm not well, yeah, Chris, what you're describing is a low right, low and I'm saying she's more. I, I agree with Justin a, that she's a savant. She's a very specific skill. I'm not saying she's autistic. I, I never said she was autistic. I you heard, I heard the, the word the stereotype that most chess players had some sort of social anxiety or autism, and I just don't know that that's true. Yeah, I, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up a similar but interesting or similar but different point that. I thought the casting of this show was pretty realistic for the types of people that you would expect to be giant chess nerds. So like none of the guys are particularly attractive, that type of thing. So to me, they towed the line sort of in the middle where it's like, they're clearly, you know, uh, friendly and like talkative enough, but they're also like, can be bought as nerdy guys, right? Like they're, you're not going to have 
a exact true representation of what these people are like. But they were all good. But they were all good looking dudes. They weren't. Ner- I mean, like what? Because Benny had a mustache that like looked like. Yeah, a but they weren't like ripped, made- big, six foot five. They were just. Yeah, they weren't Chris Hemsworth. Right. What about what about that the the guy that kept following her around? Okay, there's one good looking dude, but all the Russians were ugly. So. They weren't ugly. They were just normal dudes. Well, okay, normal. They weren't like well, ugly. Same thing. Okay. So, are you a normal dude? Therefore, you're yes. So you're not. You're saying that normal is ugly. Yes. Okay. I'm comfortable saying that. Yes. Okay. I got a face for podcasting. But just to clarify, I never fucking said that Beth was autistic, yeah, right? I need to cut. I just said I need to cut that this whole section. I just feel like there. Have you ever seen Rain Man? Have you ever seen Rain Man? You realize that this is probably a very sensitive subject. No, oh, I thought she was very opposite. She was very opposite. That's exactly what I'm saying. Thank you, Dan. I'm not saying she was autistic. She was I'm I'm saying that her character was so completely opposite of what I would think of this of this like child chess genius that it was an awesome character. I'm praising the character, okay? I'm just saying that like you could go down the road where you think of this child genius as as having these like social spectrum on a spectrum autistic issues, right? And like there's probably tons of examples of like these fucking idiot savant autistic people that are amazing because you have to fucking be amazing to be on this level to play this chess, right? I'll, I'll t- and I'm I'll, saying she wasn't. I'll take it another She's- weird way. Did anybody get like super creepy vibes from the dad? Like thinking that he was going to be inappropriate with her. Yes, the adopted dad. Yeah, the adopted dad, Alston. I thought that was going to go in a completely different direction. I thought for sure. Yeah, because well, wasn't there like a moment where like he was in her bedroom or something? Yeah, he like walked her up to the bedroom, and I thought something. Like I thought for sure something weird was going down there, but he just wound up being just a different kind of weirdo. Well, just a piece of shit, basically. Yeah, but you, again, it's weird weird to say, but you could do that back then. You just, like you mentioned it earlier, you can just up and back up and be like, get your stick and bindle and just be the fuck out of there. Because there was nothing tracked. Like, there was no, like, if you just abandon your family, like, whether you're with the dad or the mom, like, what are you going to do? I mean, like, you're not going to be like, let me go see where they uh, checked in on fucking Facebook last, you know, or let me see where they used your credit card. Like, no, you're just. Seems like you thought this out. Well, I'm just making educate educational observations. Not that difficult to. I mean, they didn't have digital paper trails back then. Ah, the good old days, right? Yeah, I think they they did a good job of like in this place and others like of subverting your expectations. Like they make you think it's. And I think a lot of that is playing on our assumptions of what this world is like, where we assume that the competition is a lot less friendly than it ends up being, and and we think the dad is going to be one way and he's not like they, there was a lot of that in this show. Agreed. Agreed. So, I mean, I, did we kind of get a consensus? Would everyone be okay with the second season? I, I, or we were, were good with one. I'm good with one. I think it ended perfectly. Yeah. I was, I was joking. I was joking when I set all downhill from here, but they, they're, what could you possibly do? After right. This? Like, That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You're good with one season. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be hard to top that, you know, and not have it be like, I don't know. 
like manufacturing sort of conflicts and stuff like that like and there wasn't i mean everything was driven around her like when you have other miniseries that are supposed to be one season and they wind up being multiple seasons there's multiple storylines going on right so um pretty little lies is is something that comes to mind and i don't know if you guys have seen that or not but i mean there's you know different uh women and couples and kids and things like that and they're trying to find out like who killed um you know one of the one of the husbands and that's based off a book right and that was wrapped up in one season but they decided to go on another season because they had those options of like different storylines but there was just really one storyline and that was beth and then you had these characters that fed into it like it wasn't like there was scenes of like benny and like benny and his brother that he didn't talk to or some shit like that or harry what if they did like a, a queen's gambit season two where it's like the 70s and you're following a different character like fargo yeah or like a true detective or yeah true detective where it's sort of a different storyline. It's it's always chess related, but it's a different storyline every year. And maybe this chess player is autistic. Oh, I love when you bring it back to that. You I'm fucking so you that. fucking mentioned a ten dollars like twenty seven times in this episode. So give me a break. Yeah, I never thought of I never thought about the anthology thing. That would be kind of interesting. I feel like they they started up so high where it's like what a, a different type of chess prodigy. I don't know, like a. How do you how do you have someone who's worse at chess than her? Like the Russian kid that she played, and then like his experience is like getting whipped every day to like play chess better or something crazy like that. Like I don't know. And didn't you say that the story was about her and not really about chess? So it's hard to take that same story and recreate it again around chess when that wasn't really the main character. Did you guys know that um Heath Ledger tried to put this project together before he died? No way. Mm-hmm. Huh. So how how old is the book then? Do we know? Uh, uh, 1983 by Walter Tevis or Tevis. Didn't one of the Olsen twins kill Heath Ledger? Uh, he overdosed on drugs. Pretty sure one of the Olsen twins overdosed him, though. Like, they were there. Who's to say? Mary Kate's Mary Kate's the feisty one, so I'm pretty sure it was for her. Hmm. Alle- allegedly. They listen to this podcast and they're gonna sue your ass, so thankfully. That's why you gotta throw in allegedly. That's why you gotta throw in allegedly. So, um this one's kinda hard to rate because it's a miniseries, it's seven episodes, but um I think it's sort of on a scale of its own. But what what would you guys put this in terms of uh rating let's start with uh chris and sarah um i give this an 8.5 i was gonna say the exact same thing actually i'm not joking dan doesn't like when we give the same answers for anything you can't think the same he doesn't like the same ratings he doesn't like the same favorite characters like he everything's gotta be different but like i think that well, it's a lot more helpful when things are just a little bit different and people disagree because then you're not just well, all there's, We're not kissing each other's hands. But I'm not like, saying you guys do that. You I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm not saying you're doing that. You know, or not even no, that theory, you guys came on with the same number. Autistic people. You guys, 
you guys came in. You guys came in with the same number, and that's completely fine. I have no problem with that. I, Why is it I just look back, and there's very little that I would change about the series. You know, like I thought the acting was good. Um, I liked, you know, the portrayal of you know all this you know, all the shit that the young woman had gone through, everything that she had to overcome. Um, you know, she had this like very unique, special skill. Everything was heartwarming around her friends. And like, you know, like, you know, Stephen mentioned before, like if you just like kind of think of the story and then try to write it out, there's so many different ways that like it could have gone, like it could have gone so, uh, you know, different with like the, the, competitors hating her and they could have done other stuff with the russians but like it was just it was just like the perfect balance of like a heartwarming story but then like not cheesy because they were throwing in like the drug and alcohol abuse and the you know loss of the parents and orphanage stuff and all that stuff so i think it was just like perfect balance like this would be something i'd love to watch again in like a few years Oh, wow, that long. What what makes it an 8.5 for you, Sarah? Well, now I think I'm going to change it. So if I wouldn't. <laughs> you no, don't have no, to no. do like, what Dan After his says. explanation, I kind of believe bully. the same. So if I wouldn't change hardly anything about it, I think 8.5 is actually kind of low. So I like the way they told the story. Uh, the script was really well written. I liked the way that they used the cinematography, the costumes, the way that they set up each one of the episodes to where there was kind of a cliffhanger at each one and got you into the next one. And I really liked how they cast it. I thought she was phenomenal. I hope she gets nominated for an Emmy for this one. Like, I thought it was a really good uh, portrayal of the character. I don't think there was anybody else that I would have thought would be able to play the same character as well. Yeah, I agree. The only the only thing I could think is she just reminded me, and I think it's just because of the era. Um, who's uh, in in Mad Men? The redhead. Um, yeah, no, not oh, the redhead. About, um, um, girl from Handsmaid's Tale. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss. 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 Yeah. yeah, Elizabeth Moss. For whatever reason, I could I could maybe have seen that, but you're right. I, I think the I think the actress who did this was was phenomenal. I thought the casting was great as well. Um, what do you think, Justin? What What do you got there on this one? It's hard for me to assign a sort of rating out of ten, but I would say this didn't make any like major mistakes. There were no points where I thought like this is bad or unrealistic. So, in that regard, I would say like I don't know, a nine out of ten. Like I I can't imagine they didn't do anything wrong or unbelievable that stuck out to me, and I can't think of something that would have been better. So. Well, the whole, you know, everything, you know, besides a woman playing chess in the 60s. But, um, okay, I think that's a solid solid rating. What do, you, what do you got, Steve? Yeah, I don't know. So I would be interested to hear your guys' take on this, but I'm going to give it an 8. I think it was really good. I think I think Justin said, like, that it's not really flawed at all. One flaw that bothers me about this show is that it's not true. Like, I... And yes, fiction is absolutely a thing, right? But I feel like the fact that it is fiction kind of cheapens the story a little bit, where it's like, this, uh, we're portraying this one way, but this never really happened. And so the whole, like, uplifting part of it, it's like this woman entering this 
field that is male dominated and doing it didn't actually play out that way, like kind of cheapens the whole experience for me a little bit. Hmm. So you're penalizing the show because of real life. That's correct, yes. But you're okay with shows that are complete fantasy. It's it's different though. It's like this is trying to portray what would be a, a hit, an important historical event as but it's it's completely fiction. So uh, that I don't know, that bothers me. So like so searching for Bobby Fisher like that's cuz it's based on right? Yeah, it would be like if they had a story about the first female astronaut in the 1960s. It's like that did not happen. So it doesn't like sure that could be a great story, but it that's just not what happened. So it it makes the whole thing less genuine for me. So then I'm guessing you never really liked the show The King and the High Castle where the, the Nazis win the war and Japan takes Boring. over and stop watching that. Yep. So like uh so 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 a movie like Hidden Figures, which is a great fucking movie if you haven't seen it. Have you seen it, Steve? I haven't. Okay. What about uh, what about the uh, newest Tarantino one? I mean, because that changes. Well, history. I'm just saying, Hidden Figures is a movie that's based off real life, so he would probably enjoy Hidden Figures because it's based off of real events. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, um, I would say in terms of rating for this show, um, I'd put it at like an eight point two. I really enjoyed it. I thought, like I'd, I'd mentioned before, I thought that the chess scenes, the the actual scenes of them playing in like real high intense tournaments, I had no idea what I was seeing, you know, what was going on, but I knew it was really cool. Um, so it's just, I thought it was shot really well. I thought, I agree with Sarah, the dialogue was great. I thought the casting was phenomenal. And I, I also agree with Chris. I, I don't think it'll be a couple of years before I watch this again. I'll probably watch it again in a couple months. But um, this will definitely be one that I revisit. And I think the rating will only go up because I'll probably pay a little bit closer attention and maybe know a little bit more about chess. Um, you know, that'd be a cool New Year's resolution to learn that. I have never accomplished a New Year's resolution in my life, but um, that could be a good place to start. Just rewatch that scene and she'll, she'll tell you how to play. It's just not. It's just not that easy. Steve. I'll play you, Dan. You'll probably beat me, but I'll play you. Not very good. Bring it on. We'll play through our iPhones. Um. Yeah. So that wraps it up for you know Queen's Gambit. We'll see if there ever is uh, anything that follows. Um. If uh, it's as good as the first series, we'll have to do another podcast and um. As always, uh, download our stuff, uh, give us some stars, all that goodie. We we could use some recommendations of, of new episodes. If anybody wants to us to talk about anything specific, hit us up on social, on Twitter. We've been known to tweet here and there. We've tweeted once or twice. Yeah, so mostly when I find out that I'm mm-hmm. right about something. Mm-hmm. Um Definitely, which has only been once or twice, so that's a, why we don't. It was a good. It was a good. It was a good one. Do you remember what it was? That. Yeah, it was about oh uh, Dexter. Oh my god, back. your bullshit Dexter theory. We don't even want to go there. 
He'll never let us forget that he was right about that either. Yeah, and it's and they're coming back with more. Nope, it's just going to be trash clip. on trash. I can't wait for that fucking podcast. And on that it's note, see awesome. ya. Bye. Peace.